Welcome to the Messiah Podcast. We are so glad you tuned in today. Whether you are driving, doing chores, or taking a walk, we hope the Lord quiets your head and your heart to hear truth and be challenged through His Word. Without further ado, let's dive into the message. Well, grab a Bible if you would. Start turning over to Exodus 24. And uh, if that sounds familiar, that's where we started last week. And uh, we're actually going to look at that, just review just a little bit at the end of that chapter uh, before we go on today. So Exodus 24, just have that open, grab your Bible, whatever you're using, your phone, your tablet. I have a question for you today. What's the hardest thing you've had to wait for? I mean, for a child, it might be Christmas, you know, just a few days before Christmas. Seems to be an eternity for them. What's the hardest thing you had to wait for? I mean, as I look back over my life, one of the hardest things I had to wait for was while I was in Guatemala. Uh, my wife uh, was ill, and it uh, turns out she had an ectopic pregnancy. And so she was hemorrhaging for days. We were scared. We didn't know what to do. We finally took her to Guatemala City, found out she was pregnant, and I'll never forget what the doctor said. He said, well, you have two choices, Ed. He said, we can either do an abortion, or you can take your wife home and enjoy the time you have with her, because if this ruptures, you'll have about 10 minutes with your wife, and then you're going to bury her. Imagine making a phone call which I had to do to her mom and dad, and say, I need you to start praying. And we didn't know what to pray. And I'm a strong believer in life. But when you have a choice like this, it kind of puts you in a really bad spot. And I remember asking God and saying, God, I would love it if you would intervene so that I don't have to do this, we don't have to abort this child. And I will tell you that God miraculously answered that. God, through the night, took the child. But we didn't know it. And the surgeon went in to do surgery and found out um, that there was no child. Um, Her ovary was enlarged. She was not still pregnant. He came up kind of confused, but I will tell you, waiting, I was walking the halls of that hospital for hours. I mean, just walking and walking and waiting and waiting and waiting and not knowing what was going to happen. So we didn't have to make that decision. God intervened. But I will tell you in my life, that was the most difficult time to wait and watch and pray and also feeling kind of alone because we were with no family down in Guatemala. Uh, I will tell you the second uh, most challenging time to wait was this week. And and you're going to smile, but this has been an interesting week for me, uh, knowing that we have a vote today. And and, uh, all week long I've been asking God, like, why? Why is this hard to wait? Why is this week hard? 
And I think what you're going to hear today maybe a little bit differently. I, I don't feel like I'm going to preach to you today. I'm not going to even really teach you. I'm going to give you some insight into the heart of God and maybe into some insight into to my heart um, as it is trying desperately to align with God's heart. And I think you'll maybe get a little bit of insight, and I think you're going to find there's even some great stuff for you as well, because I think this really has to do with all of us. So let's start with last week for a moment, and then uh, that'll kind of set the stage. So Exodus chapter 24, find verse 15. When Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai for six days. The cloud covered the mountain, and on the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Then Moses entered the cloud as he went on up the mountain, and he stayed in the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Now, if you remember, uh, 70 of the elders of Israel got to go up and they met with God, they saw God, they saw his feet, they saw what was under God's feet, they ate, they drank with God. I mean, I mean, talk about a mountaintop experience. It must have been absolutely amazing. But today we're going to talk about, then they made a golden calf. And, and how did we go from, you meet with God, you eat with God, you see God, to the Israelites now making a calf. It's, it's kind of beyond my comprehension. So if you want to, in fact, I'll give you some homework. It'll take you about 10 minutes. But start scrolling through between Exodus 24 and uh, start turning over to Exodus 29 for a minute. Because while Moses was on the mountain, God was instructing Moses on laws of how he wanted his people to act towards each other. God was planning the tabernacle, which is like the mobile church, if you will, a chapel, and all the things that would go into it. And what we're going to see here in Exodus 29 is God was also planning for Aaron, his ordination, and his son's ordination to be the priest before God. So if you've got Exodus 29 open. Look at verse 44. So I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar and will consecrate Aaron and his sons to serve me as priests. Then I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God. They will know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of Egypt so that I might dwell among them I am the Lord their God. All right, now start turning over to uh, Exodus 32. Did you catch that? That God, God just told Moses, I'm going to be your God. I'm going to be the Israelites' God. They're going to know that I'm their God. And I'm going to consecrate Aaron to be a priest to serve me, his sons to serve me. God had all kinds of special things for what Aaron was to wear, his ordination. It was, it was amazing. So think about God planning this incredible celebration for, for Aaron. 
And then in verse 32, we're at the end of these 40 days. We're just shy. We're probably about day 39 or day 40. Right in there, and look at verse 1 of chapter 32. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who would go before us as for this fellow Moses, who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing. Bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then he said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Uh, do you feel like you just got punched? Because I, I feel that way, and all week long I've been, I've been wrestling with this. Like, how could you go from seeing God, being with God, to now you're making an idol and saying, this is your God who brought you out of Egypt. And I couldn't make sense of it. All week long, I couldn't make sense of it. And it didn't matter how much studying, I couldn't make sense of it. And I felt like God said, this is where we are right now as a church. And that was insightful for me. Now, what does that mean? We're, we're not a, I'm not going to make a gold calf. That's not what we mean. They were waiting on God. All of their needs were met. They had manna every day. They had water. Their clothes didn't wear out. No sicknesses. Sandals didn't wear out. That's what God told them, all the things that would happen. So what was it that made them turn on God? They were in the desert. The desert is the hardest place to be. Because they knew Egypt. They knew it. 400 years, they knew it. God had told them about the promised land, that it was coming. In fact, we even read last week about how God said, you know what, I'm going to drive them out. I will send the hornet ahead of you. I will do this for you. But you still have to go there. And it doesn't mean it'll be easy. But while they were in the waiting, in the desert, they struggled. They struggled because they didn't have an answer. They couldn't go back. They couldn't go forward. Moses is up on the top. They knew Moses was there. All they had to do was look up, because remember the glory of the Lord was like a burning fire on top of the mountain? All they had to do was look up and see burning fire and go, God's still there. So they, they knew God was there. They knew Moses was there. They didn't know how long till he was coming down, but they knew he was there. Their needs were all being met. And that's what I think baffled me. Why did they do this? I think I found it. I'll just read this for you. It's from Acts chapter 7. 
our ancestors refused to obey Moses. Instead, they rejected him and in their hearts turned back to Egypt. They told Aaron, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who led us out of Egypt, we don't know what, was, what has happened to him. That was the time they made an idol in the form of a calf. They brought sacrifices to it and reveled in what their own hands have made. But God turned away from them and gave them over to the worship of the sun, moon, and stars. All of a sudden, I feel like I had a little insight here. The Israelites rejected Moses, and in their hearts they turned back to Egypt. They, they couldn't wait any longer. It was too hard to wait. Friends, this is where maybe hear my heart for a moment, which is why I say I feel like this is our story. God has undoubtedly blessed us in so many ways as a church. Incredibly. The opportunities that God gives on a daily basis for us to love people, serve people, be with people, help people, encourage people, point people to Jesus, love them, pray with them in all of our ministries and in all that you're doing. And God's opening up another opportunity for us to take it to a whole nother level. Which is an amazing thing. And, and it's filled with unknowns. It's filled with, we don't know how this is going to go. We don't know what this is going to look like. We have some ideas. We don't exactly know. That's faith. Faith is when God calls us to do something that's hard, out of our comfort zone, something that we're not really sure about. We don't know how it's going to go. And you know where we are today? We're, we're right at the moment, just like they were at the mountain, that we can either say, God, this is really frightening. I'd rather go back to what I know, because it's easier, because I know that. Then I can relax. Or we can say, this is frightening, but I'm going to take a step of faith. And I have to trust the leadership. Remember, they gave up on Moses. They rejected Moses, and in their hearts, turned back to Egypt. And there's the two issues, and that's, I think that was the most insightful to me. They rejected the leadership. They wanted to go back. And if I think back over the last three, four years and all the things that have gone on, there's some, maybe some insight in there. And I think that's why God has us voting today. This vote isn't really about guaranteeing a loan, although that's technically... You know what this vote really is? It's a vote of saying, God, I'm going to follow you. This is really frightening. I don't know what this means. Or it's like, no, it's too scary. I can't do it. I just can't bring myself to do it. 
And I think that's why God's saying, Where, where's every person? Do you know what's unique about this whole situation that we find ourselves in? You know, we didn't look for this. God kind of dropped this in our lap. The uniqueness of it is that typically when a church takes out a loan, it's for their own benefit. You know, let's take a loan out and build an education wing, and then we'll all enjoy the education wing, and we'll pay for it. That's normal. Do you know what God is asking us to do? Guarantee a loan to serve the community. And we may never experience one benefit from this, except the privilege of serving others and leading them into a relationship with Jesus. And we have to trust that God is going to raise up generous, generous people to say, we'll take care of this because this is what God's calling us to do. So God is calling us to step out like he's never asked us. I, I can tell you, he's never asked us to do this. And I can tell you in 30 years of ministry, God has never, I've never seen God do that. Say, church, step on in faith but you'll never benefit. You'll only have the privilege of serving other people. If you, if you capture that and understand that, that's pretty radical. That's pretty crazy. And I think that's why God's coming to us and going, all right, where are you? I'll tell you, it'd be a whole lot easier to say, please say no, God, because this is so much easier. It, it would be. I will be the first to tell you this is going to be way easier saying no to God. I know I've already said yes to God. Wherever you take us, I will go. As your pastor, you have to know my commitment to God is I will go wherever God leads and you know what today is? Today's really an opportunity for us, every person, to say, are we going to go where God is leading? That's what today is about. But I told you, where's your conscience? You know, what is, what's going on inside of you that you might say, I just, I just can't do that. Okay, that's okay. That's really okay. But I think what today's really about is us saying to God, what are you asking me to do? What do you want me to do? My decision, I'm going to follow God. And if this is where God leads, I'm going to go there. I hope you will go along for the journey because I think what's coming is going to be beyond what we can imagine. And more people are going to hear about Jesus. More people are going to be able to volunteer. More people are going to be able to give. More people are going to hear about this. More people are going to want to be a part of this. More people are going to meet Jesus. You know what that means? That means we as a church have to take a risk to follow God. Is it any different from the Israelites? See, this is why I find this so interesting. Here they were at the mountain. We don't know what's ahead of us. We're told it's a promised land. We're told it's something amazing. 
but we're scared. That's okay. I told my kids so often, it's okay to be scared, but don't ever let your fear stop you from following God. But sometimes what happens in our fear is it causes us to say, I want to go back. I want to go back. It was so much easier. This is easy. Because it's what we know. Even if it's not good. Like the Egyptians, it wasn't, the Israelites going back to Egypt was slavery. It wasn't good, but it's what they knew. So I think today is for us, it's really God saying, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Well, Aaron failed the test. I just can't figure that one out. I wish I could tell you why. I can't figure that one out. The 70 elders who met with God, ate with God, drank with God, where were they? Who was Aaron listening to? I don't know. But somehow they got to him and he listened to them. And then he told everybody, bring your earrings, and they did, and, and they fashioned this calf. And then look at what Aaron did. When Aaron saw this, the calf, he built an altar in front of the calf, and he announced, tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. What's revelry? Well, about the best we can understand it would be Mardi Gras in New Orleans. That's revelry. That's exactly what it is. And if you think about New Orleans and what happens with Mardi Gras, let's live it up, sin like crazy, and then we'll hit Ash Wednesday and we'll say to God we're sorry. That's what Mardi Gras is. And you know what? They all, after they made their decision not to follow God, this should be telling. After they made their decision not to follow God and they brought their earrings and the calf came out, it resulted in a party and celebration in their hearts. Whew, we're going back. We're finally done with this Moses guy. We're going back to Egypt. And it showed in their first act of party. Here's God. Want to know how God feels? Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They've been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves. I lost my place. They've been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I've seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they're stiff-necked people. Now, leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. Moses intercedes. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. Would you just ponder that today?
Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. You know in our blessing, may the Lord look upon you with his favor. Same favor. We're seeking the favor of God and a blessing. We want God's favor on our lives. Moses sought the favor of the Lord. He said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger. Relent and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. You know what else I want you to see in there? That one person, Moses, stirred the the heart of God. Don't ever underestimate your prayers. Because when you come, Moses sought the favor of the Lord and it changed God's heart. He sought God and he wanted God's favor on behalf of the people. Boy, is there a correlation here? God, we are seeking your favor for those who don't yet know you. God, bring favor. We want your favor. Okay, but I, I can't leave you with this. Turn to 1 John chapter 1. Because God's really talking to us today. Let's start with verse 5. 1 John, not the Gospel of John. 1 John, wait at the back of your Bibles. 1 John 1, 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. We're no different than the Israelites. Look at the next verse. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. All right, now I really want you to see chapter 2, verse 1. Do you remember how we watched how Moses interceded on behalf of the Israelites who had sinned? And he asked God not to punish them. Listen to this. We're gonna, we're, you're going to see here, we have an advocate with God. My dear children, he's writing to us, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, if you're a sinner, raise your hand. Okay, so he's talking to us. If anybody does sin... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, 
the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we've come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, but if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Boy, that could have been written by Moses. It's no different. That's why this is our story, friends. This is our story. We're the Israelites out of sin, and yet God said, Jesus is the advocate. See, just like the people sinned and Moses stood in the gap between the Father and the Israelites, we sin. And Jesus stands in the gap between us and the Father and says, forgive them. What did he say on the cross? Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. It's our story. It's our story of redemption. That we mess up. Man, we mess up. How many times have we chosen not to follow God? How many times have we chosen to do our own thing? How many times have we chosen to rebel? And then we have to just look at Jesus with gratitude, thanksgiving, praise, honor, and to say, it's because of you, Jesus, that the Father accepts us. As a church, God loves us not because of what we do, not because of what we don't do. God loves us because of what Jesus did for us. And as a church, we can stand before God, messed up. Man, are we messed up. We can stand before God, messed up. And we have God's forgiveness. We have God's grace. We have God's love. We have God's favor, which is amazing. Let's pray, okay? God, today was an interesting message. Because it's really us. It's about us and our relationship with you. God, you've given us an opportunity to follow you. We're scared. I know I am. And I have more questions than answers. But Lord, we will follow as a church. We will follow you. We will go where you want us to go. We will do what you want us to do. And God, we just want to say thank you for the privilege that we have to know you, for the privilege that we have to serve you. Thank you, Jesus, that you stood in a gap for us and you took upon yourself the punishment that we deserve. 
so that we can follow you, we can be obedient to you. And Lord, I just want to say thank you for this church. It's such an amazing church, God. And I just thank you for the privilege I have to serve the church every day. And Father, more than anything else, we want your favor. We want your favor to be upon us every day so that we might follow you. And Jesus, how can we say thank you for what you did for us? A lifetime is not long enough to say thank you for what you've done for us. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for tuning in today. We hope you are challenged and encouraged to walk in truth in your everyday. Please share with friends and family, and we can't wait to have you next time on the Messiah Podcast.